Welcome to another episode of Consider This. We are in the studio uh, with some of our resident theologians and church historians. So we've got uh, on the mic today uh, Justin Ebert, who works with our uh, discipleship of high school students, Drew Henderson, who uh, oversees our family ministry area and works particularly with middle uh, school and junior high students. And then Ryan Vincent, who does a lot of our adult discipleship stuff. And then I'm Jim, and I'm one of the pastors here at Sunnybrook. Uh, grateful to have you guys in the studio uh, today. We are going to be discussing an upcoming event um, that we're excited about, that we've kind of thought through, that there's some intentionality behind this. And it all stems from the fact that we recently started uh, an exegetical study through the book of Acts that we're preaching on Sunday morning. We're teaching about it, uh, background material, on Wednesday night to help our people understand this very important book uh, that was so formative, Descript description of the formative times of uh, the Christian church. Luke, the author, writes down, this is what happens when the gospel is proclaimed, and this is how the church began to grow and fulfill its mission that Jesus gave to it. Um, in light of that, uh, we just felt as a staff that it made sense for us to talk about and to teach about, and then to create an event where a number of people who have been either considering baptism um, for uh, the, the, as a response to this faith that they have in Jesus Christ. Um, and then there's been a number of people that have been following Jesus Christ who've never been baptized. And so we're wanting to teach on this and then to create an opportunity, which will be on September 23rd. We're going to be having a special baptism event uh, here at the church. In light of the fact that we're going through the book of Acts, this isn't uh, the last 14 years. This is the first time we've had one since I've been here. Um, so our normal, uh, kind of the way that we do things is that when Justin Ebert, I'm sure you're baptized here, right? Yes, I was so in 1998. 1998. So you express faith in Jesus Christ, and um, then you're baptized in probably right after one of our services or right at the beginning of one of our services, correct? Mm -hmm. Okay, so that's usually how it happens. But we're having a special event, and so I just thought it'd be good for us to come into the studio and talk about baptism and, uh, and why we're having this event and kind of do our best in 30 minutes or so to kind of make sure that we're speaking accurately and properly about that subject. So there are a lot of misunderstandings about baptism, and so can kind of go around and express what some of those are. Justin, what are some of the misunderstandings that people have about baptism? Sure. So we, we talk a lot about kind of the dichotomies, the extremes. So one extreme is that 100% of the time, baptism is a necessity. So if it's a necessity, no one who gets to go to heaven or have eternal life has not been baptized. Therefore, it would make sense for us to baptize somebody as soon as they come out of the womb as yeah. a baby. Yeah. Even if they cannot, they literally cannot profess faith in Jesus, we're going to baptize them. So we see a disconnect there from the baptism we see in the New Testament and the practice of baptizing, baptizing uh, a baby. Um, or it could be an, a misunderstanding of the covenant, right? You, you believe that somehow adoption into the family of God um, can happen because of the faith of a parent or the faith of an older loved one. And in history, a lot of that had to do with tying theologically the symbol of circumcision, mm -hmm. right, of a, of a young male. Uh, it was the sign for Abraham and the sign for his yeah. descendants. And, uh, and then the church began to wonder, I wonder if baptism's kind of, kind of our you know, the, the kind of the Christian replacement. Mm -hmm. And so that's kind of why infant baptism, where pedo baptism or infant sure. baptism was developed. And Presbyterians not... have uh, kind of their whole idea of covenant theology. Yeah. And we bring together, because we have to, 
fit everything under this one gigantic covenant of grace yeah. and we have to put together the old and the new and probably force that a yeah. little bit more yeah. then not that they're disconnected but there are definite uh just uh, very specific connections connections yeah. right yeah. and uh, specifics to each covenant and because of that you know we have to kind of make these two different things fit, fit and they see the baptism and and uh, circumcision fitting fitting well together yeah because yep. you even see that in Col- or Colossians 2 11 and 12 in verse yep. 11 yep. Paul talks about the circumcision that's not of flesh but it's of the heart by Christ and then the very next verse talks about baptism, baptism. and so it, you can see where they somebody can get it. there it's yeah. not that they're people who believe that are idiots and they haven't thought this through they haven't read the text no these are thinking people who are well intended. Well intended thinking people. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And then you have people on the other side. Okay. The other side mm-hmm. of the spectrum. Baptism is just another commandment, like obey your father and mother and don't murder. And so, yeah, we should do that. But it's it has nothing to do with the conversion experience. And to add it to particularly our justification. Yes. Yeah. To add it to that conversation of the gospel would be to add works into it. And we are not a people who believe that we are saved by works. So don't add baptism to the conversation of justification or conversion. Um, and so they, they're so scared of it. They're, they're nervous to say something like, yes, somebody does need to be baptized um, in a way that has something to do with salvation or conversion, not just a obeying Jesus because it's another command in the spectrum of all the commands of the New Testament. Yeah. Drew, anything else you want to add, mis- misunderstandings that you've dealt with in ministry? Um, I think sometimes people uh, kind of on a, uh, a big baptism event like this might get caught up in the thinking of, well, why are we waiting? You know, shouldn't we do this now? Shouldn't, shouldn't, yeah. um, is this the only time that it can happen? And I would kind of ask the question, not that this is the only way to do this, but why not do it this way? Maybe mm-hmm. on occasion we do this. This isn't the only way that we baptize people sure. is in mass. Sure. And so we do believe that uh, if someone responds to Jesus, that it might be the, might, the right response to go and get baptized in five minutes. Yep. We've done yeah. that before. Yeah. yeah. Hey, we've uh, texted out, hey, everybody meet at the church. We've got a baptism. Yeah. Or we've yeah. done one during a service. Or we've done one yeah. after a service. Yeah. Truly. I've done one in the middle. I mean, it's probably happened two or three times, but I've done it in the middle of the day. Yeah. Someone comes in. I talk. We come to a decision. I try to find whoever is in the building. It's been a while since I've done one, but I've done a couple of those since I've been here. So, Another thing, too, is just uh, people seem to be afraid of being considered a legalist. Sure. When it comes to, well, I don't want to say that this is any way somehow connected to how salvation works. And uh, when we read the Bible, uh, we read through Acts, and many times throughout Acts we see baptism uh, happening. And whether we can argue about this, this is the time when it's happening right now at baptism in our history, in our movement. Uh, there are those that have said that. Yeah. Alexander Campbell, uh, one of the, I guess we want to call him a founding father of yes. the independent Christian church, um, definitely came to that conclusion, although he was baptized as, as an infant, <laughs> although he probably did a good part of his ministry not being immersed. Yes. Mm-hmm. Kind of crazy to think about that, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, and then his guy that came together with him, Barton Stone, didn't have that opinion. So if any of you that have deep, probably not many people even listening to this podcast, but <laughs> deep roots in the Christian church that want to always say that we've always been united on this. The truth is, is the two founders didn't see eye to eye yeah. on this issue. Yeah. And 
Barton Stone ended up coming along more to Campbell's views, depending on what you read. Some people would say that he never did, but they didn't really see eye to eye on this. So uh, sometimes we need to take our uh, really firm convictions on this, which I think we need to have firm convictions. Sure. And also have some amount of uh, room for discussion. Some flexibility. Yeah. Yeah. Humility in the text, right? Let the text win, not our theological convictions. Any other misunderstandings that you've seen, Ryan, in your... Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, there's considerable debate um, across denominations, not just ours, on the method of baptism, whether sprinkling is on par with immersion or uh, whether it has to be immersion. And then um, we've already kind of mentioned the paedo-baptism, credo-baptism, do we baptize infants or is it upon confession of faith? And then in our movement, I mean, virtually everyone... I would say, with probably a few exceptions, would land on the confessional baptism side of the spectrum. But even then, there is uh, considerable debate as to uh, at what point can someone make a confession for themselves? You know, I mean, it's something actually Rachel and I have been thinking through in terms of our five-year-old. I mean, he's truly, given the house that he's grown up in, he's never not believed in Jesus. He's never not thought that he needed Jesus. And so... Truly, I mean, there's there's lots of room on this. Many people would say five is too young, but if he like if 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 he said, I think I want to get baptized at this event, I think I'd baptize him at five. I really think like that's my personal conviction that his understanding at five is not all that much less than thirty five year olds I've seen being baptized. I mean, if it, it, it the question the debate is. How much do you have to understand what you're doing before it counts? Yeah. And I'm just yeah. saying I've seen grown adults have no idea what they're doing, and I would never argue against their baptism. And so that's that's kind of my personal conviction, but there's a lot on that spectrum, right? Sure, sure. Um, so I, one thing I want to just it, – it's interesting because you talk about the sprinkle versus immerse. And so I, I thought I'd just say this. You know, one of the things that would help – clarify some of this is literally looking back at the language. So we have an English word that we now know in our vocabulary, baptism. But that really comes from a transliteration, meaning letter for letter. We basically look at the the, he, the Greek word, sorry, the Greek word baptizo, and we take the Greek B and we turn it into an English B or, you know, beta to B. Yeah. And then we just kind of go through that and we create our own word. But really it's not our, it's not a word. It's a, uh, it's like the word cardia is heart, where we get the word cardio, but yeah. the English word for that would be heart, right? The yeah. Greek word is cardia, but the, the English word would be heart. And so the Greek word is baptizo, yeah. to baptize, and the English word would be immerse. Like yeah. literally the word to baptize doesn't mean to sprinkle. It means to, to plunge beneath or to dip beneath. And so the English word would be to immerse. And so just by even using that language, not all the time, I'm not. I'm not. Nothing wrong with the word baptize or baptism, but it 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 finds in its it, in its uh, in its original context the concept of to be to be plunged beneath mm-hmm. something. You know, everybody loves. Well, not everybody. Some people love to use the great Acts nine text um, with the Ethiopian eunuch. Uh, here Acts is eight. Acts eight. Sorry. Here is here is much water. Mm-hmm. What is to prevent me from being baptized, <laughs> like, right? I see some. I, I see. I see not. Yeah, I not see. Hey, can you sprinkle me with that? It's. Then then they went down into the water and they came up out of the water. So mm-hmm. they they make a big deal out of that. I think that can at least help sometimes by differentiating between sprinkling and immersion. 
And a lot of that even comes back down to the the concept of what we think we're connecting to, which is the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. So I think mm-hmm. I think that might help up help some of the some of the the, the clarifications mm-hmm. on that particular issue. Um, so then let me ask you this question. So let's say somebody is thinking about getting baptized at this event. Um, they're kind of rethinking what they have done. They, they have a faith in Jesus Christ, and let's say they had been sprinkled as an infant. What would be something that you would say to them? Drew, I'm going to kind of begin with you. If somebody, and I've had a couple mm-hmm. of these already, actually, who are going to get baptized um, mm-hmm. on the 23rd, uh, what would you say to somebody that's kind of thinking through this question? I've been sprinkled, never been immersed. Sure. What would um, you say to them? I would say based on what you are now continuing to learn through your study of Scripture and your study of the, of the Bible and what baptism is, um, I would say now go with what you are, are now learning and mm-hmm. what you need to continue to do as the Holy Spirit leads you to be obedient to Christ in each and every way. And if that looks like for you um, getting immersed, baptized, then we need to talk about that. Um, uh, again, going back into our history with uh, Alexander Campbell, um, reading this morning for my readings out of Alexander <laughs> Campbell uh, and his history, um, but was immersed as a baby, yeah. or not immersed, uh, sprinkled, sprinkled as a as baby. A baby. Yeah. And then as his children were growing up, as he had young children, yep. he's deciding, do I sprinkle these children? And then it leads him to a deeper study of the Bible, deeper understanding of Scripture. And he realizes, I think what the Bible is saying here is that I need to be immersed. And um, just that continual understanding and and obedience um, and what that looks like for each and every one of us. Mm -hmm. And that can be for all different areas, and specifically in this area of baptism, I think it applies as well. Yeah, that's good. Justin, you seem to want to say something. Yeah, we kind of keep going back to this, but... We a lot of times interject something into the word baptism or our theology. Mm-hmm. We interject something else other than drawing out from the text, from the Bible, what it says about baptism. And then the problem is, even if we said, okay, go read all 70 plus times that baptizo is used in the New Testament and tell me what you read about it if you read those verses in the context. Okay, I think I know what you would believe because I've done that multiple times, actually. Yeah. And and I have a solid belief of what I understand the New Testament to say. But I also have an understanding of what that Greek word means, because you can read baptism and you can insert a meaning to it that may not be Mm -hmm. what the author intended. And so it's this. Yes, we want people actually going back to our denominations podcast. um, We want people to have the text and to be able to study the text and let the spirit within them help them see the truth of the text in conjunction with the people of God. Yeah. But there's also like, hey, you, you might want to pick up a lexicon to help you understand the, what it was originally written in, or you need to have somebody who has a better understanding of like the audience, how they would have heard that, yeah. whether that's a Jew or a non-Jew in that time. And so a lexicon, by the way, is a Greek dictionary. Yeah. Kind of help you understand what that word would mean yeah. in its original language. Sure. So I think, would it be helpful, uh, not that this would get, too far off the point, but it would be helpful just to give a minute or two to helping people. I think this is a big question, like, okay, so if in the Bible it looks like they immersed people, how did we get uh, to how did How did we get to <laughs> sprinkling, and then how did we get to, I now feel like I need to be immersed. Anyone yep. want to go there for a minute? Ryan, do you want to, or Justin, I guess, um, initially, why did that happen? So, you know, 
the the word we we say sprinkling to describe what they're doing, but it's probably mm-hmm. more appropriate to just describe when they're doing it. And it's it's particularly the baptism of infants, and it really it, it became common practice in um, I don't like the term the dark ages in the middle age church, yeah. where um, we hadn't figured out penicillin yet, and people <laughs> were dying left and right, <laughs> and and most. Uh, m- m- most is probably too long, too too strong of a word. Many people were dying in infancy, and so you have the church trying to basically deal with the fears of we are losing souls to to physical death and ultimately to spiritual death because we haven't we haven't they haven't been baptized into the church they haven't been enfolded into the faith community, and so this practice sprung up in terms of um, baptizing infants as soon as they're born or shortly thereafter as a way of committing them to the Lord um, as quickly as possible. And And they were covered under the covenant of their parents' faith. So it was not a confession that these children were making, obviously incapable of doing that. Therefore, the confession of faith that their parents have made Mm -hmm. um, now is folded upon them or is kind of given to them through the sacrament of baptism, which the mode of that was, in fact, sprinkling. And that would be the difference between paedo-baptism, which is through the covenant of the faithfulness of the parents, versus credo-baptism, which is upon confession of faith in Jesus Christ. Yeah, And therein, therein you have like the very direct connection to the practice of circumcising young boys on the eighth day or whatever is they are not included in the fold of Abraham's descendants. Um, well, I guess technically they could be yeah. so by, by ethnicity, but say their parents converted into Judaism and they're not ethnically Jewish. You would still, as, as an adherent to Judaism, as a follower of the Abrahamic faith, you would still circumcise your children to, to attach them to the covenant. And, and I think that in the Middle Ages, that's what they started to, like baptism and circumcision started to, in practice, run very parallel. And there is obviously some debate about this. Um, I, I think it would be safe to say that it's somewhere between the 400s to the 600s where it becomes a bigger a bigger deal. There is some debate whether or not it's before, but how it's much the first the time it's written about. It's written about, yeah, exactly. Recorded. So that's that's kind of where it begins, and then all of a sudden, once traditions start in church, they're hard to change, mm-hmm. and that's why you'll see people um, throughout history go back to the Bible and become immersionists. Mm-hmm. Um, and there are actually some pretty famous reformers that got mad at rebaptizing people, uh, killed by the yeah. way, and they would do it by drowning. They would say, "Hey, you want?" They wouldn't burn them at the stake. They would say, "Hey, you wanna you wanna be baptized? We'll baptize you, and we'll yeah. hold you under until you're Which done." Which is interesting because some of the people we have the most heated discussions with this on are people who are yeah. of reformed tradition who <laughs> think it's just not that big of a deal at times. Yeah, which is interesting. Yeah, and so Ryan's describing like a pragmatic reason that this infant baptism seemed to come in that we see how important baptism is in the New Testament, yeah. and therefore also we see our children dying, so, so how do we reconcile that? But also the sprinkling was a bit pragmatic too. So instead of dipping a baby underwater, which they don't know how to necessarily do underwater well, they would just pour water on them, and, and it would be, again, it's not pragmatic. a theological issue. It's more of a, this just, the same thing is happening. So yeah. Augustine, original sin. Yeah. And, you know. Yeah. People's practice, even to this day, our practice always reflects what we believe about God. Yeah. 
And uh, if literally from from the time you're born, we are evil, considered <laughs> sinful, then why and we better be getting baptized mm-hmm. soon? Yeah. And so a lot of that is kind of based on a lot of the, the yeah. teaching at the time. As Doctrine well. and practice go yep. hand in hand. Yeah. So yep. I guess the question is like, so then what does the scripture say? Right. What yeah. does what is the theology of baptism and is the act of baptism or is the water what truly cleanses us um and where does scripture say that maybe talk about that first peter text yeah right first yeah. peter three twenty one. um so how is that rightly to be understood give us give us justin then kind of a if you can give us a nutshell i know you're working on a sermon for this sure so what does the what does the bible teach about baptism sure so jesus john baptized the one who prepared the way for jesus and it was a baptism with confession and repentance for the forgiveness of sins. But he said, one, co- one is coming after me that will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Okay, so there's a difference in those two baptisms. Jesus is baptized. Jesus and his disciples do some baptizing, as John records. Then he commands baptizing to his disciples at the end. As a process, as you're going through the nations, making disciples, you baptize them. That's a natural thing. Okay, then in Acts, as the Holy Spirit has come now in a new way upon the disciples, and Peter stands and gives this first post-Holy Spirit coming gospel presentation, he says, this Jesus whom you killed, God has made both Lord and Christ, right? God, our, our, our Savior, our yeah, King. Yeah. And they, the first thing they say is, what shall we do? Okay, there's, there's this expectation. There's something, obviously, what, what shall we do? And what's he say? Repent and be baptized. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of the Lord Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins. Okay? And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So right there we see this connection to wanting to be a follower of Jesus. You're believing who Jesus is, the person and work of Christ. And then you say, okay, I'm turning from what I used to be part of, and I'm now following that. And part of that process is dying to my old self going down into the water just as jesus went down into death into the tomb and now being raised to new life because he resurrected from the dead and so when we read of romans 6 when we read a first peter 3 when we read a colossians 2 when we read the entire book of acts that's kind of the pattern that we see give those big texts again the the, the other pauline and yes so read Peters. through the entire book of acts and look for baptism. Do an inductive study that's what we say when we, we look for one thing so if you go text, to biblegateway.com and up on the top, it'll say keyword. And if you type in baptize or baptism, then it'll give you where it is found. Mm-hmm. And you'll actually see that in at the book yeah. of Acts, it's mentioned a number of times. That's what yep. that's what he means by yeah. do an inductive study. Mm-hmm. So basically or, look at the words and see where it's found. Yeah, or blueletterbible.org. Or yeah. truly, take your new Acts booklet, or you can go on Amazon and buy an Acts journal book. And just circle every yeah. time baptism is Read used and Acts, make a note, how is it used in this context? Yep. Um, and then we've got Romans 6, we've got Colossians chapter 2, two. Um, 11 and 12 are the two verses specifically, but obviously read that in its context. We've got First Peter 3, um, these are all really important. All, going back to the Gospels, um, each of the Gospels have Jesus' um, baptism recorded. Um, and then in Matthew 28 is where Jesus commands, yeah. expects baptism. Yeah. But also it's in John where Jesus and his disciples are baptizing. Later on in the text it says it wasn't Jesus actually doing the baptism his disciples were, but they're doing it. It's something obviously Jesus is leading them in at some sure. level. And so those are all texts that I think 
are necessary for study. Okay, so this is a podcast on baptism. Yeah. So we're talking about baptism specifically. Yes. So um, let me kind of push back on that a little bit. So those are your verses on baptism. Okay. And so we can go to the Bible and find a number of different verses based on whatever we want to talk about, not that those verses are unimportant. Okay. So aren't we asking uh, a bigger question? So I could go and I could find a number of different Bible verses. We could have a different podcast on belief, right? I just need to believe mm-hmm. yep. to be saved. Yep. And so I think it's really important to balance this out with when we read and interpret the Bible— um, we have to really talk about what does the whole Bible say about what it means to follow Jesus or about the salvation process or whatever word you want to, to use there. But whenever we see this in the Bible, I think it's just important to, to remember we're not looking for proof text to defend our view on baptism. Sure, sure. So we're looking at what it looks like to be saved. Yes. And, it, always... and it looks like a lot of different things, correct? Yeah, and that's the part I would say, you know, going back what— um, what Justin said, which is to do, look at baptism. I would say, yeah, you should do that. And then go by, yes. go back and look at belief. Yes. And then go back and look at repentance. And then yes. go back and look at whatever it is. Call on the name of the Lord, Romans. Mm-hmm. Whatever you want to use, go back and look at it. And what you're actually going to find, surprisingly enough, is that we've been neglecting certain things mm-hmm. at the expense of others. And so the problem yep. is, is that we become so reductionistic, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, I know you're asking a question, but one of our frustrations as a ministry staff is when people want to know and they reduce it. What's mm-hmm. the one thing? I just need to believe. Yes. What, I just need to be baptized. And then okay. I want to ask you, like, did you get that from the scriptures? Mm-hmm. Like the only thing you need to do yes. is? Because I don't think you found that question in the Bible. Yeah. Um, and if you do find that question, what must we do? Like, let's pretend, let's add the word one in there. What one thing or what two things do we need to do? Peter's response was, repent and be baptized. Which doesn't mean, well, if you, well, so we don't have to believe? No, the implicit yes. reaction to them saying, what shall we do, is we believe what you just said. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We believe what you just said, and that's demanding a response. Now what? Yeah. So truly, it's read Scripture in light of Scripture. Truly, you want to look at salvation, so read the text that talk about. Yeah, yeah. confess with and believe in your heart, and you will be saved. Okay, yes, that is a text. Um, Ephesians, people have a hard time getting away from Ephesians 1 and 2. It's grace through faith, through faith, through sure. faith. To add anything to that, you're adding works to the gospel. No, we are not trying to do that or discredit that text. Well, see, and it's really interesting how just very naturally the Bible doesn't seem to have a problem with itself and how it uses these words. What must we do? Uh, repent and be baptized. So are you saying it's a work, Peter? Well, I don't, I don't know what he's saying. I just know that he said, what do we need to do? If, if do means work... Well, then sure, I guess. I mean, whatever you want to call it, he asks, what do you do? That's the response. I think about what's fascinating on this same subject is that if we're going to use that language, and then you said, and then we bring our own meaning into it, and that becomes the problem. The, 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 the Jews said to, said to Jesus in John 6, what must we do to do the work of God? They're kind of asking a bit of a works picture, and Jesus said what? Believe in me. I mean, it seems like... It, which I mean, the word is always connected, believe, into. Into. Which means do. Do, yeah. <laughs> to believe into yeah. means to trust, and that is yeah. that action. So I, I think we, you know, I think we always need to remember that we are saved by God's work for us. Jesus saves Jesus us. Jesus saves us. And how do we connect to that? By faith. And then that faith then leads us to trust, and then that trust leads us to act, and that act is that 
it, it is lots of things. It is repenting, confessing, and being baptized, and being filled with the Spirit, and it's God's work, and God's work in us. And when you look at it contextually, yes. It's integration. It's not like these separate things. Yeah. We read a text, and we want a proof text, like Drew said, but the Bible doesn't do that. They all work together to yeah. form this picture of what God has prescribed and expects of his people. Yeah, but we are pigeonholed, though, by people. Some of us. Some. Yeah, so yeah, no, we uh, do get pigeonholed. You are you're the right. movement that, yes. you're the baptizers, yeah. right? That's, that's and what you you're think, about. Uh, you know, it's funny, because we get it sometimes even more than the Baptists do. Yeah, like yeah. you believe that the baptism saves you. Yeah. And no, I don't. I, I don't believe baptism saves us. I believe that we are saved by grace through faith. I believe that actually it is the work of Jesus Christ on the cross that saves me. But I do believe, like Paul says in Romans 6 and Peter, or Paul says in Colossians 2 and 1 Peter 3, that I am joined with Christ in baptism, that I am clothed with him, that I am united with him, that I am buried with him, that I am raised with him. And if you were to ask me where that happens, uh, baptism, just kind of like it did in the book of Acts. Uh, I don't deserve an exception to that. I, I don't understand. I, I always like to ask people, like, why would I do it any other way? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, like, that's my question. Like, what? I mean, I, I, I here's one thing I always tell people is if someone said to me, hey, listen, we should instead of having a baptismal service on the 23rd, we should have everybody make a cross and then we'll go out into one of the fields that we have and we're going to put the cross in the ground and we're going to write down on a piece of paper our sins and then we're going to nail that those sins to the cross. Um, and then. You know, after that's done, we're going to light the piece of little paper on fire and it's going to go up and smoke and then we'll be we'll be forgiven. And I'd go, OK, that sounds kind of cool. I mean, I even get some of the imagery of that. Where'd you get that from? Oh, I thughought it up myself. OK, like and you think God's going to accept that? He may even accept that as an act of contrition and faith. But then I would ask, why don't we just do what they did in the book of Acts? Like that whole immersion thing seems to be a cool thing, too. So I, I think by asking the right questions we can actually get to the right answer. Final, As far as that goes, that question of do we have to be baptized to be saved, that question always irks me. Mm-hmm. It's like it's the wrong kind of question. Mm-hmm. It's I, I much prefer the question of the eunuch. I see water. What's to prevent me? What What's keeping me from doing this? Because it's not a I want to get in the water. It's a I want Jesus. Yeah. And this is what Jesus did. This is what Jesus prescribed. This is how you're telling me that I join in with who he is and what his body looks like now. Yeah. And that's truly like, I think that's, that's what the new Testament is saying. You want part of this. I promise you want part of this. So come join us. That's uh, that to me is the heart of it and not some type of weird battle. That's it's a family battle that we're having that I don't think is worthy. So one, one last question, I'm a little bit leery. I'm almost ready to just kind of draw a line there because I thought that was a good (laughs) conclusion, but let me ask this. So we don't believe in infant baptism. We believe in in a credo or but with a confession of faith. So, Ryan, let's say I say to you, um, my son was baptized at five, and now uh, he is 28. Or let's say I was baptized at five, and I'm, now I'm 28, and I don't think I really knew what I was doing. Mm-hmm. Um, should I get rebaptized? My- how, how would you how would you how would you answer that? My answer is, with the very rare exception, no. Because I would, I, I, I would kindly say, you might overestimate how much you understand at 28. <laughs> <laughs> and, and really, yeah, I, yeah, I, I think yeah, baptism yeah, is yeah. an act of obedience that, to whatever degree you understand what you're doing, you have from that point until Jesus calls you home 
to live into that obedience and to grow into that obedience. Sure. And the day you die, you'll probably have the best understanding you will have in this life of that obedience. And we are all going to be all over the map in terms of our cognitive abilities to know what happened and to articulate what happened and to, you know, all over the place in terms of maturity. So um, my answer is usually no. Okay. You know, but, uh, you know, I have, I have lunch with a guy about a month ago that, you know, he's, he's, start, he's growing in his faith, but, you know, he was baptized in the Mormon church. And I just told him, like, that's actually a different question. Sure. That's a, that is a different question because now we're, we're not talking about degrees of maturity. We're talking about degrees of belief. Yeah. In, yep. In, yep. in a totally different faith system. What were you putting your trust in? Yes. Yeah. Whereas yeah. A, one is a five-year-old and one is I'm putting my trust in the wrong thing. Yeah. And you guys want to add anything to that? I, I think working in the context of student ministry for a long yeah. time is always a big it. question. Yeah. I mean, I think yeah. every uh, 15-year-old probably wanted to get rebaptized seven times after they got <laughs> baptized one time. And I think sometimes it's a, a, a lack of maturity and understanding true uh, repentance. Yeah. Uh, like we, we repent every day. We, that is a part of who we are as followers of Jesus Christ. And um, again, like Ryan said, um, I, my personal story, I grew up not uh, heavily involved in the church, um, came to a point 17, 18 years old. I, it's not like it was a, a seven-year-old maybe. I don't sure. want to stereotype what a seven-year-old could know and yep. couldn't know, yep. but I would have probably had a greater understanding whenever I was immersed. And I look back at that moment and just laugh about all the things that I didn't know. Mm-hmm. And so if if that was then the condition that I needed to get rebaptized, I would have needed to be, been rebaptized sometime in Bible college and sometime in ministry yeah. and... Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, there's always going to be this continual growing, which yep. doesn't necessitate necessitate necessi- how necessarily how, necessarily. I was hung up there. Uh, that we get rebaptized. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, I think this spills into another conversation we've recently had on how do we interpret the Holy Spirit working in our life. Sure. Because we truly believe that, like, when God comes and convicts the heart, that that response, that initial response, baptism is part of that because you do believe and you've been given that gift of faith at some level as the scriptures describe. I mean, your response now is to turn to be baptized. And so then we don't maybe don't do a good job of helping people understand now, what does the spirit look like as Hmm. you go from your baptism? And so because maybe we don't train and equip young people well on that, they might go some time or some years before it without realizing a conviction the spirit has given on them. And then they go to a camp and it is very obvious that God is doing something in me. And the last time I felt this, I was baptized. So do I need to do that again? Because I yeah. definitely yeah. Making know the and I'm connecting things way better. And yeah. so I, I, I sympathize with that. And you're sure. right. In those circumstances, it's probably no. What gets down deeper is, is the Holy Spirit here. Mm-hmm. Okay, so there are instances in the New Testament where people have been baptized, but the Holy Spirit hadn't come. And so two instances. One, um, I believe... Acts, um, they lay their hands. Peter and John come and lay hands on, then they receive the yeah. Holy Spirit. So yeah. well, there wasn't a rebaptism there. Yeah. Yeah. But in Acts chapter 19, um, Paul's walking around and meets some people and, like, yeah, we were baptized. It's like, but you don't have the Holy Spirit? 
what baptism what baptism do you have well john's baptism repentance for the forgiveness of sins oh okay we need to baptize you into the name of Jesus and give you the, and so you can receive the Holy Spirit. Yeah. And that's what happens. Do we give permission? We're big on the book of Acts. A lot of people would criticize because— um, and That was they, unique for then. They, well, uh, a lot of people would say that the purpose of Acts isn't like a playbook for the church. It's not just written as an example that we follow. It's written to show the power of the Holy Spirit as the church is following, yes. you know, moving out. And I would say, well, then at some point it was written and some of these things we do need to follow— uh, would it be appropriate to say that while we do believe that Acts clearly shows baptism happening in many of these different occasions at salvation, but also it's messy too? Yeah. yeah. Well, I would of say how not necessarily messy. It's don't get lost in the order of how things are supposed to happen. Okay. Because yeah. sure. the timing and the order may look different yeah. for different believers, but guess what? These things are all present. That's yeah. what we say. Yeah. These things are all present in the life of these believers. Yeah. And so— don't get lost on the line of when something or the order of how things are supposed to happen. Sure. Yeah. We do see the integration of these in the life of believers. And so the reason I brought those up is not necessarily as proof text as much as to say, one thing I do try to ask is like, so is the Holy Spirit present in your yeah. life? Right. And when you were baptized, were you baptized into the name of Jesus? And if those two things are true, then really there's, there's not, it's, there's not a necessity. Yeah. Now, if, you really weren't baptized, baptized into the name of Jesus, as you've mentioned, mm. or the Holy Spirit isn't in your life, then that's maybe a different conversation, yeah. and that's probably the rare occasion. See, and what I love to ask is, so just tell me what you're doing at five. And they, they'll say things. I've had people say this. Well, I just I, I knew I was a sinner, and I believed that Jesus Christ would save me from my sins, so I decided to trust him by faith. And I went, yeah, then I don't need to rebaptize you. Yeah. Like, I get that you understood that as a five-year-old, that you thought sin was stealing the candy bar, and you now realize that sin's a lot more than that. Um, but no, it sounds like you did it. So, and then I'll meet somebody else. What were you doing? Well, there was this really, really cute girl at, at camp. And so she wanted to get baptized and I really kind of wanted to hold her hand at prayer time. And so I wanted to, okay, then honestly, we may want to talk about that because it sounds yep. like you weren't making a confession of allegiance to Christ. And so I always ask the question, tell me what you're doing. And if they describe a, uh, an act of confession and contrition and allegiance, mm -hmm. then there's no need. But then I don't even like to use the word rebaptize. I talk. I, I I just say no. I think you need to get baptized in the first place. In the yeah. first place, yeah. Which is kind of how it how it you fits went swimming more the first time. Yeah, yeah it wasn't exactly. baptism because yeah. we don't actually believe the water is somehow magical, right? No, we no. don't believe that if you accidentally pushed your atheist yeah. cousin into the water, he'd be good after that. Yeah, <laughs> we, don't we don't believe that believe about that. that stuff. So I mean, I, I think it's good for us to have these conversations to help you guys walk through um, what this actually means. We are trying to follow the Bible specifically. One of my favorite things to do uh, when somebody begins to ask this question who has had a faith in God and is now asking, did I do something wrong by not getting baptized, by not being immersed? And I love to say, can I just give you, and I have this on my, uh, on my computer, just parceled out every text in the New Testament that refers to baptism. Yeah. And can I send this to you? And I want you to read it, and I want you to look at it. And I have yet to find someone who has come to me and asked that question where I've just given them the text. I, don't, I, don't, I, don't, I literally say, I'll meet with you after you've read these, but I want you to read these, I want you to read them in their context, and then come back to me. And still, every time, they say, I think I need to do this. Mm -hmm. And that really is our goal being led by the Spirit and by the Word of God and then figuring out how that works. We don't think we understand all these things perfectly, but I'm pretty confident 
in terms of our, the understanding that we do have. I appreciate you guys sharing your thoughts. Um, I look forward to the 23rd. If you want to continue this faith conversation, um, we would love to continue it with you. Reach out to us and talk to us about this. And by the way, for those of you that are going, man, they could have talked about other things. Sure. And we'll have other podcasts. And we need to talk more about believing right. We need to talk more about repenting right, confessing Jesus right, being filled with the Holy Spirit right. But today we decided to talk about baptism right. Send Thanks us, for joining us. Send us your questions. Yeah.